Hey guys, we are in day 12 of our Romans reading plan. So happy that you're sticking with us. We are in Romans 7 today, verses 1 through 13, and none other than Josh Rayanga, the children's pastor. Is that how you say it? Rayanga? No. Rayanga? Ryanga. Ryanga. You Ryanga. see, so here's the deal. Yeah. You've been on staff for how long? Uh, six years. Six, on, six years. years. That's crazy. It feels like yesterday. It does. And that yesterday, I remember you pronouncing pronouncing yes your name yes differently in multiple occasions. Yeah, to keep you on your feet. Yeah. So I don't know if that was the motive or you just didn't know yourself and like you know yeah it's a mystery it's a part of my self discovery the easiest way the easiest way to remember it is uh, like a guy's name mm-hmm. Ryan and then go. Yeah, right. that that definitely makes sense. But why did not? Why did you? What, did you discover that through counseling, through <laughs> prayer, through like? How did you like <laughs> land on the on, uh, on your last name? Yeah, no clue. Yeah. I don't know because I don't know how I it, said it different. Now there are people in my family that do say it the way I just said it was how you said it. How does that make you feel? Uh, very vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It's a great spot as we step into God's exposed. word. Exposed. Hey, I'm exposed before. Josh Ryanga? Yeah. No. Yes. I will just Ryan Ryanga. Yeah. There you go. Good job. Yes. All right. Go. So great now job, every listener that is in day 12 of our podcast day knows 12. how to say your last name. Yes. Ryanga. Ryanga. Yep, that that was really, it. That was it. You got it. You're doing really good. I'm really proud of you. Thank you very much. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? I have the best family in the world. Uh, beautiful wife and uh, three kids. Kids are boy, girl, girl. Um, about to turn eight, six, and ten months. Mm. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. And uh, so that's two weddings. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So have you started saving for that yet? No. No. I will one day. Uh, if you are a financial advisor, Josh is looking for someone um, yeah. to or help prepare for that day. Donations, more or so. Donations. Yeah, yeah that's I'll, a good idea. I'm too. starting to fund the. You know what? One great thing is the pastor fees are covered. So. Okay. I'm trying to think ahead. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> it's not that much though. No, no, that's the cheapest thing out of the whole deal. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Um, I'm glad you're here today. Thank and you. I'm glad you are of all people are reading through the chapter seven of Romans. Yeah. I got the thick stuff today. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Robert. Really excited to be able to be with you today. Uh, looking at Romans chapter seven, verses one through 13. Uh, I'm going to read out the new living translation, um, translation that I teach from with the kids. This text is is heavy, and when you read it, it sounds like Paul is just kind of rambling a lot. You're going to hear a word in here called the law. Uh, so I think it's really important before we even dive into this uh, text to really kind of define what the law is. I know this is something that has come up um, in weeks past, but this is really where Paul really expounds on it. So uh, we need to understand the context and what the law is. So the law in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, it's a it's a unique law code that was established by direct revelation from God himself to his people, and it was to teach them, to explain to them how to worship him, how to have a relationship with him, and then also how to have a relationship with other people. Uh, it's really fun to think about when Jesus, later on in the Bible, uh, when Jesus was cornered and they 
um, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, these guys, they knew the law. They knew everything about the law. Like they made a living on being experts of the law. And uh, they tried to trick Jesus, and they said, Jesus, of all the things of the law, everything that God taught, what is the most important thing? And I love what Jesus says, and it's such a teachable moment, as he said, it all can be summed up in these two things, to love God and to love others. And when you look at the law, everything is really pointing to that. So it was it was good, and it was from God. You could even say that the law, the law was holy, or it is holy. And uh, when you read this, think about Paul. And in the context of, of what he was writing to the people in Romans, to the church of Romans, so these are believers, and um, when he talks about the law, think about that. Don't think about all the things that you know of the New Testament, uh, but, but think about this, this law that they were bound under um, really before Jesus had really kind of rescued them from that. So this will make a lot of sense as we go through. I want to start in verse uh, verse 1, chapter 7. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, um, so he's speaking to believers. We are brothers and sisters. We are family uh, through Jesus, through God's family. He says, brothers and sisters. So he's speaking to believers. You who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her husband um, to her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she will be committing adultery if she marries another man. But if the husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery uh, when she remarries. So think of this is that death cancels all contracts. So if you have a contract, uh, think about if you, if you um, I don't know, you buy a car or um, you sign a contract. Actually, I don't know enough about that to really think of it. But the example is that you, a living person, signed a contract. And if you have this binding agreement with somebody, when you die, that contract a lot of times is, is null unless there's some kind of weird disclaimer that it passes on somebody else. So death, ultimately death uh, cancels these contracts. So just like the husband and the wife are married, there is a marriage is this this contract that they're under to be uh, committed to one another. So when it talks about leaving the husband, leaving the wife, think of it this way, is that if we were in sin, it's like we were married to sin. And then Jesus comes in and he like he slays that contract. He slays that sin through what he did on the cross. So now we can we can ultimately uh, have a relationship, and you could even say we can marry God. So we have been rescued from this contract of sin, and we can we can go to God. So if you think about that, that's what he's just setting up is saying that the law bound us through this. So verse four. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. So I love what he says right here. Here's the whole point of everything that he talks about. If you don't get anything else, this is the whole point of chapter seven right here. He says, you died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. I want to say that again. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. So when you died to sin, the law had no power over you anymore because Jesus trumps the law. And we're going to talk about how that works. So I want to keep going. And now you are united with the one who is raised from the dead. This is talking about the resurrection of Jesus. As a result, because of what Jesus did, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. 
when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused those evil desires. They produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. Now, think about this. The law aroused those evil desires. So it's it's kind of like when you um, when you tell your kid not to do something, but then immediately, what do they want to do? They they want to do it. Like they want to touch that. You're like, don't uh, don't eat the cookie. The cookies are on the stove. They're cooling. You're gonna have a cookie later. But right now, don't eat the cookie. Don't touch the cookie. Immediately, what do they want to do? They want to reach their hands up there and they want to they want to touch the cookie. But a lot of times what happens is they get hurt because what you were doing was not trying to keep them from something awesome. You were trying to protect them. And that's really what's happening here is that God has given his people the law, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, to teach them how to worship him, how to love him, how to have a relationship with him, how to have a relationship with other people. But what this does is, is really he's saying, hey, he's, here's your, these are things that I don't want you to do. So immediately in their sinful flesh, like a bunch of little kids, we're like, well, I, I want to do the other. I want to see what's on the other side of that fence. I want to see what's on the other side of that door. So now they're going to start getting in trouble. Verse six, we're going to keep going. But now we have been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. So not working to earn God's love when it says so that we we have died to the law. And when you think of the law, it, it really drifts towards kind of a to-do list if you take it out of context. If in our in our human nature, we want to take control. We want to it's the same thing. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God said, Look, I want you to enjoy it. This is all good, but there's this one thing I want you not to do. It was uh, touch the fruit from the tree in the middle of the, the garden. So what happens is they immediately are drawn to that thing that they're not supposed to do, and they want to really take God out of it and they want to take control of this. And they want to be God. We want to be in control. That's really what all the, the sin really flows to is this, this pride of life, this that we don't want to listen to God. We want to do what we want to do. So even with the law, if we say, okay, I'm going to love God and I'm going to follow this law, then what happens is we try to really pervert it. We try to figure out a way that we can, uh, we can earn our love through all the great things that we're going to do through the law. We're really trying to control the law that God has given us. But what it's saying is it's not about the works. It's not about all the things that you do to earn God's love. But right here it says, it says, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. So this spirit right here is talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's break it down. The Holy Spirit is God living inside of a believer when they put their trust in Jesus and repent against their sins. So only a follower of Jesus, someone that's trusting in Jesus, can have the Spirit. And then out of that, we have the fruit of the Spirit. So it's it's coming from the inside out. It's not that we are working to earn God's love, but it's that God's love is in us and those works come out of that. So it's completely opposite. You could really think of two states. You have a person that's lost in their sin, or you have someone that's saved by Jesus. So that's really it. Everybody right now, everybody in this world is either a follower of Jesus, rescued from their sins, or they're lost in their sins and they're separated from God. And that's what he's talking about is, look, you have these two states instead of trying to 
earn God's love. You just need to rest in what Jesus has done and live in that new way. So that's a really great verse, verse six, to really look at the end of that and that new way of living for Jesus through the Spirit. All right, let's finish it up. Verse seven. So this right here, uh, you know, Robert and I were talking about vulnerability, laughing about my last name, but uh, vulnerable is the word that comes to mind right here because verse seven is really Paul really exposing himself and really being vulnerable. And it's kind of his story. You know, a lot of times we want to hear about someone, uh, how they put their trust in Jesus and kind of this triumph over sin. But this is Paul right here. This is saying where he was and then now where he's at now. And it's going to help us to be able to get to know him a little bit more. So we're going to, we're going to talk against the law and it's going to sound really weird, but track with me and it's going to make sense. Verse 7, well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. So people, a lot of times they'll ask, what was the point of the law in the Old Testament? Or specifically, what was the point? What is the point of the Ten Commandments? Is it this rule list uh, that we try to to keep, and then we're going to earn our way to heaven, or is it just this this thing that God is just this really hateful God, and He just wants to oppress us with this? But right here, this is what He's explaining: is that that God gave us the law to show us really how sinful we are, and He gave us the law to show us that we need a rescuer. So right here, here's Paul. Here's him relating with what I just said. Paul says, I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. Going back to that thing of you want to do what you're not supposed to do. If there were no law, then sin would not have that power. Verse 9, at one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died, died to sin. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Verse 11, sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. So the thing, the truth, what he's saying is, is look, that he didn't really understand how sinful he was until he had the law and the law exposed that to him. And what sin does to, he says that this command was used to kill me. Sin is a lie. It's, it's really, it's like a cancer where it looks good and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But what sin is doing inside of us is really killing us slowly. It's at work and most time we don't even know it's at work within us. And that's what the the point of the law is, is to show us what to look for. Like if you have cancer growing inside of you and you don't know what to look for, then you'll never understand. It will never be exposed. And this is what Paul's saying is without the law, I never would have known that I was sinning. Verse 12. But still, the law itself is holy. This goes back to where did the law come from? The law came from God, so it is good. The law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. Verse 13, here we end. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Sin, 
sin takes us away from God. It wants to take that power away from God and to really lie to us, to, to make us think that we can do it on our own. This is the same exact lie that Adam and Eve fell for in the garden. It's the same lie that we, we fall for all the time is that we don't need God and we can do it ourselves. And that's really what the law drifted to is the law itself. Whenever you read the Bible and you, you hear the law, the law is good. The law was holy and the law had a purpose. And that purpose was to expose us of our sinfulness and that we that we really need God. I want to end with a story. Um, years ago, my, my family and I, we went on vacation and we got to go to a beach that had a lighthouse. Really cool. I'd never actually seen a lighthouse in person. Um, we got to climb to the top of it and we got to look around. And I remember when we were learning about the purpose of the lighthouse, it really fascinated me. And this is what comes to mind is that that lighthouse, that lighthouse had a job. And its job was to warn ships of the rocks that lay um, exposed and some of them above water, some of them underwater, so that ships were, that were coming through, they wouldn't crash into them and uh, worse, people wouldn't get hurt or they, they wouldn't die. And that's exactly uh, what the law does to us is this lighthouse is a warning. The lighthouse is really... Um, a protector of so. And when you think about the law, think of the law and God giving us the law as a protector and showing us what is best from him. And the second thing is it's exposing us just like the lighthouse exposed those rocks. It exposes us to the sin that we need to be watching out for. And just like that boat captain has a choice, if he's going to trust and uh, follow that lighthouse, we have a trust that, that we need to think about is if we're going to trust what Jesus has done for us. The truth is that we cannot keep the law and praise God that we're not under the law anymore because when Jesus came and he died on the cross and he came back to life, he fulfilled the law. He, he took the law off of us. He took it on himself and he did for us what we could not. And uh, we are thankful and we praise God for Jesus because he did for us what we could not. And I want to encourage you today as you think about uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Uh, think about how the law, the law was good, and God gave us the law because he loves us, but ultimately it exposes our sin, and praise God for sending Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to fulfill the law, to rescue us from our sins, and to make a way that we could be made right with God. My friend, what a great metaphor. What a great time together. Thank you so much for breaking that down. I love it. Uh, we get to hear from you again, correct, at the end of this uh, Romans reading? I yeah, think. yeah, I'm going to be up uh, towards the end of it. Really excited to be able to share a little bit more and just really excited that we get to walk through the book of Romans together as a church. I would encourage you to keep pressing on, keep reading, keep studying God's word and uh, know that you're not you're not alone. There's an entire church body that's reading with you as we get to grow closer to Jesus and closer to a life of gospel transformation. And with that, we'll see you tomorrow.